Blog Talk Radio. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life. talking about 
And if you've got yourself a set of cojones, you know what cojones are. You could wager with the walrus. Uh, the, the walrus is throwing his wager out there early. But you, you, you got to have cojones. You got you got to cut you got to bring it if you're gonna if you're gonna go if you're gonna if you're gonna go against the walrus you got to bring it and you got to be prepared to lose walrus is two and zero right now in his in his bet and we're gonna get to some of that coming up and uh, hold on I was just getting a message I was getting a message from management and I don't understand it. So I was trying to figure it out and I was like, wait a minute. Uh, so anyway, um, what we're, so anyway, get in touch with the show, call us live. Even if we're talking about coach Cooter, we'll still stop. We'll still stop and talk about your stuff. But anyway, so we've got a lot of playoff games to get to. Um, we got we got a lot of playoff stuff to get to, but I want to get the newsworthy stuff out of the way first, and then we can focus on the games. Then we can hype ourselves up a little bit with uh, some of the things that have gone on this week. But uh, I'm going to start with um, the, the my news of the day of the week was um, Roquan Smith. The linebacker at Georgia has declared himself eligible for the NFL draft. And for the record, I just want to let listeners know I've also declared myself eligible. <laughs> I don't expect to be taken, but I'm eligible. Walrus is on the board. He's got to be on some team's board. Um, Roquan Smith, I'm, I, I'm not optimistic of this, but I'm hoping he falls far enough to get to my Dallas Cowboys, and I'm hoping they're smart enough to take him as Sean Lee's replacement. But that so, so yeah, because he's because he's injured all the time. So we need a replacement for him. Roquan Smith is one of the guys I would look for on the defensive side to try to do that. Um, you guys and, are probably gonna have to be replacing Des Bryant first. And I think we've got enough receivers, and I think receivers That's deep right. enough. That's right. Right now, I'm calling for Des Bryant. Des Bryant, calling Des Bryant to get fired. I, I think I think a lot of Cowboys fans would uh, jump on board with that. So, um, uh, and in the other NFL draft news is uh, Christian Wilkins, probably the top defensive tackle in the country, has decided he will stay for his senior year at Clemson. Usually, I'm one of those guys who says, you know, stay in school. You know, it's better to play the four years. At defensive tackle, I really don't think there's anything more that he can do other than get chop blocked and have his first-round status get absolutely destroyed. Well, maybe he likes getting chop blocked. Uh, maybe, he, maybe he likes in injury for no money. But uh, I, 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 I think it was an odd decision unless there's something – more to it that uh, more more of the story out there like there's something uh you know that that's coming down the pike that would cause people not to draft him but i think he would have been the first defensive tackle taken maybe so uh, i don't see why going going back to school isn't going to raise his stock any because he's going to be the first defensive lineman taken anyway. Maybe he was playing with an unauthorized cooter. That, that's uh, that's uh, 
you know, in the middle day and age, that's not a far, not a far fetch, uh, not not a, not a far assumption. I mean, all the cool kids are doing it. Apparently, all right. So that's the news of the that's the news of the day that I want to get out of the way right now. Now, let's toot our own horn, Walrus. Walrus, you were absolutely right again. I, I <laughs> we, we, we declared our pro status, and the first thing we do is fire a head coach. Mike Malarkey out at Tennessee. After leading his team to the divisional round of the playoffs, they got sucked by the Pats, and they agreed to part ways. Um, do you have any more on the story? Walrus, since this is your team, I'm going to go to your source. I got sources. My sources told me the reason it was a parting of ways is uh, Mike Milwaukee wouldn't fire his offensive coordinator. That's what I heard, Tom. Yes, I've been doing this 30 years. <laughs> yeah, so apparently he didn't want to fire his offensive coordinator, and they decided, they decided to part ways. So let's um, – Let's start right there with Tennessee. I mean, obviously we call well. Walrus said said it said it the week before. Mike Malarkey could be gone. Um, but I believe he told me that was, it was ludicrous. I said I said it was it was a crazy idea. I still think it's a crazy idea. Like who does no, no, that? No, you want to talk about a crazy idea? Firing Mike Tomlin. That's that's ludicrous. That is outrageous. Salacious. That's where I was going next. I saw that reported all over ESPN today. Minority owners of the Pittsburgh Steelers want to. Minority owners have one job. Story of all time. Who you think you are? You don't own the Pittsburgh Steelers. Exactly. You gave them some money. You get to sit in the suite. The Roonies own the Steelers. Know your role. Shut (laughs) your mouth and make sure Mike Tomlin gets paid. You know what? Nobody wants a coach who wins 11, 12, 13 games a year. Yeah. Let's get rid of that guy. Let's get, let's get rid of him. And then they – but they have set the uh, the groundwork for um, for making Mike Tomlin a, a scapegoat if they don't win the Super Bowl next year. Um, well, cause we all because they fired up – they fired both – they're fired coordinators. That, that's, step, that, that's bullet number one. Bullet number two is going after the head coach. So Todd Haley's gone, and not five minutes after Todd Haley was gone, uh, we talked about the Jets earlier. He's the leading candidate for offensive coordinator at the Jets. So you know, the, uh, apparently that's what the that, that's what the Jets are looking for a uh, a, a a world traveled offensive coordinator like like Todd Haley. I think he's been with almost every organization in the in the NFL. So we'll see how that rolls out. Um, so that's our news that's our newsworthy moments of the day. You want you wanna go you wanna go to the games on on, on the weekend Warris? Alright, so we'll we'll start We'll start with the Patriots, and we'll just mention that it was a blowout, like we said. And like we said it would be. And, and can we just mention how pro how pro Patriots the officials were? I talked to Patriot fans who are usually the most un- no no no, but I talked to Patriot fans who are usually the most unreasonable people on the planet. I was talking to one Monday night, 
I was asking about the uh, the the false start offside penalty. <laughs> that was a good one. That's where I want to start. He said he was he was actually in the stands. He he was in attendance, and I don't understand how this works. You call a false start on the offense. The penalty is marched off. <laughs> and then you decide that wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on a minute. That was oh my god, that that is that is the Patriot way. Did Bill Belichick give the official a stern talking to? Is that what happened? Oh, he didn't give him he gave him that look he gave him that Belichick look like, dude, you know who I am? And there was like, Yeah, I I You know what I think sorry. he did? I think he took his foot off. He, yeah. Like uh like like the uh, like the emperor in in Star Wars, he just threw his threw his hood off and was like, um, "Do you know what's going on here?" And the ref was like, "Oh yeah, sorry, sorry, we got." I pointed the wrong way. I pointed the wrong way and I gave the wrong call. Um, so that's really all that there was to that game. I mean, it, if you want to call that a game, it was basically just a beatdown. Oh no, the re- the referee impartiality gets worse. <laughs> it's just a beatdown. Offensive pass interference on Eric Decker. When all the contact was A, within five yards, and B, it was no worse than a hand check. I've seen Rob Gronkowski, like, fully undress a defensive back 13 yards downfield, and, like, we don't see anything. Um, pass interference is, is the most ridiculous rule in all Like, after the game, I think four or five Titans players were eligible to, to tweet, hashtag me too. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what. Um, yeah, that's probably gonna get kicked off the air. Don't mind me. <laughs> we're we're okay. We'll, we'll be okay with it. Um, very very upset. Um, what? So I, I don't even want to talk about it, but. It was what, thirty-five to seven or something? Thirty-five fourteen. Thirty-five fourteen. All right. Well, well there you one go. One thing I will say: Corey Davis had his first two professional touchdown passes catches in that game. Oh, yeah, there you go. You know, you got something out of it. And uh, there's a stat I believe I sent you earlier. Oh, that was a good one. The, uh, we'll, we'll use we'll use that later on when we're when we're going over you the game. Use it later? You want to use it now? No, we'll use it later because we we got to set up the other team first. We, right. we know about the Patriots. We know the Patriots are in the. I are mean, we, are we gonna go talk about Blake Bortles now? We we might as well. I, I'm gonna stick in the AFC because I, like I think the N. I think when we get to the NFC, I think the NFC is has a lot more to talk about in their games. Um, I like Blake Bortles. The Jaguars, you know, everybody's all hyped up. Oh, the Jaguars are such a great. We're such a great defense. You know what? The Jaguars jumped out to what a twenty-eight-seven lead at halftime, and the game was tied in the fourth quarter. So I don't want to hear about how great the Jaguars' defense is. They still gave up forty. They gave up what forty-something points in a loss in a win. It's still the greatest. They gave up four. They gave up forty-two points in a in a playoff game. Granted, their offense put up forty-five, but I don't want to hear about how. Oh, their defense is unmatched. Um, if you give up 42 points to the New England Patriots, it's going to be hard to put 45 on on Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia. So, 
I think Jaguar, the, the Jaguars supporters out there, which there aren't that many in the media, but they're trying, they're trying to give, they're trying to give, give the Jaguars a chance. Oh, I like the Jaguars this week. They're trying to give them a chance. And, um, I, 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 I think everybody, you gotta, you gotta slow your roll on pushing, um, Trying to push the Jacksonville deep that the Jack that Tom Brady's never seen a defense like like the Jacksonville defense. Um, I'm sorry, that's just not the case. He's seen better defenses. I don't think he has. Uh, I you could easily say that the Denver defense of a few years ago. Um, you say basically any Denver any any. Defense seems to be an upgrade over the Giants defense because Tom Brady's nothing but fit. Upgrades where? I mean, where? Where? The defensive backs are much better than anything the Giants had, and I'll take their pass rush hands down. Their linebackers are much more athletic. The Giants have never had athletic linebackers. Giants never, but the Giants had two all two All Pro defensive ends and a defensive tackle inside. A guy playing defensive tackle inside that was really a rush end, and so they could put pressure on the quarterback. That's what they needed. I don't know if the Jacksonville Jaguars have that caliber of ends to put them on to put to go. Oh, they do. Just yeah, just four. Oh, oh my. Just four. You got to you got to come with four guys. They come with four. They come with four. And you got to be able to beat beat the Patriots. I think the Patriots yeah, will be able to take that away. Is a rotational player. He he's made Pro Bowls. He was even like a top fifteen pick. Guys, a stud. Yeah, but how many years ago was that? I mean, he's he's only been in the league like three years. No, he yet. was in no, he was in he was in Buffalo for longer than that. He's not been around that long. Um, but again, the Steelers put up forty two. The Steelers put up forty two on him, and they had seven at halftime. So they put up. Uh, if I can do my math correctly here, which. Granted, it's a struggle. 33, 35 points. They put up thirty-five points in the, in the second half of that of that game. So it's not like um, New England is just going to be like is going to be shut down by this Jaguars. It's not like the Jaguars are pitching a shutout, but. Um, I do think they can give the Patriots some trouble, but it's it's not going to be it's it's not going to be because the Patriots can't move the ball. Like the Patriots aren't going to be able to move the ball. They're going to move the ball on on the Jaguars. You've got to put a lot of your trust in uh, Blake Bortles. But let's go. So I was watching this game from the kitchen, so I was only seeing bits and pieces. I wasn't studying it as much, but what it, there was, there was something that went on at the end of the, of this game that the Jaguar, you know, people were up in arms in Pittsburgh about, uh, about the reason, the reason Todd Haley got fired is because they kept going for it on fourth down. I I don't understand what he was saying. Forget that. Forget that. Can we talk about something here? Can we talk about something in this game? We can talk about anything in this game. I want to know. Well, I mean, it doesn't pertain to this game specifically. 
But this game brought it to life. Ben Roethlisberger is a Pro Bowl quarterback. This, this is absolutely true. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is a Super Bowl champion. Yes. Ben Roethlisberger is questionably a Hall of Famer. I'd say he's a Hall of Famer. He's already in. He's already Ben Roethlisberger does not have the ability to audible to a quarterback seat. He, he, he does not. No, he is. He does not have the the authority. Maybe that's why Todd Haley's fired. I mean, you got to give Ben Roethlisberger the green light. If Tom Brady has the green light, Ben Roethlisberger has the green light. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger does not have permission to check into a quarterback seat. That's. And who said that? Did Tomlin say? Like, did did Tomlin say that, or did Roethlisberger say, "I don't have the authority to do that"? Well, and then Roethlisberger needs to get in in his coach's ear and say, "They're giving me a yard. They're giving me a first down. All I have to do is reach the ball out." And then he's a big guy; he can just reach the ball over. I mean, come on. Um, but yeah, that's that's a very odd scenario. All right, let's go. Let's go to the NFC, and the NFC is. Um, Here, I just found it by the way. The article is written by Yahoo Sports. Okay. And uh, during his weekly appearance on ninety three point seven, the fan in Pittsburgh, Roethlisberger said he does not have permission to change plays at the line. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I'd love to. Roethlisberger said about running the ball. I actually literally. Tuned into you guys two minutes. I heard you guys say the fans bashing us for not quarterback sneaking and not believing me when I say that we don't run it and I want to do it. Since it's my show now, I can speak freely and tell you guys, my co-host, I truly have never said I don't want to run it and I don't have the freedom to check into a quarterback sneak because I don't have that call if we're not in the huddle. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Exactly at what point does a quarterback receive the uh, the okay to audible into a any co- and that that's either the dumbest coaching decision of all time, or Ben Roethlisberger just not understanding what the coach is telling him. Because no, you should always have that option as a quarterback. He said they don't even He's, have a call. There's no call for him to make. Well, then then that's obviously coaching because there should be a coaching call. There's always a coaching call. We had it in high school that there was a call, there was a call. If the quarterback, if the quarterback, we went by colors. If the quarterback said black, 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 he was going, he was going under, he was going under center, and he was just going to sneak no, it. No, we had a better one. That, that. that, that if we lined up, and the quarterback knew he could get it. There was no call. He tapped the center's balls. He snapped the ball and took off. There was no call. The rest of the offense didn't even know what we was had, going on. We had calls for everything. So no, there was not we, even a we had, we had bubble screen. We had everything. If our quarterback got up under center and it was third and one or whatever, and he saw that he could get a yard, all he do was tap the center ball and fired off. Yeah. The rest of the line didn't even know what was going on. If, it, if it's just, I mean, if it's just a yard, then there's no reason why the quarterback shouldn't be able to just go up to the line and run a quarterback sneak. I mean, Tom Brady does it every time. Every time it's fourth and an inch well, or third and an inch, Tom Brady just runs up to the line of scrimmage. Well, that's why and I it's the only you. time he's ever under center. Well, that's why I asked you about Ben Roethlisberger's well, credentials. Why. Maybe I was misinformed. Maybe his credentials are off. I, I, I have no idea. Super Bowl because I don't think Larry Fitzgerald has won one. Uh, he's won two. 
Larry Fitzgerald? No. Uh, ben. ben. Big I'm Ben's got two, I, and he's been to a third. That's what I'm trying to find out here, guys. Come on. Uh, all right, so I think we've done enough Steelers bashing for one day, and their season's over, so we don't have to talk about the Steelers anymore. Um, let's move on to the Falcons-Eagles game. This was a disappointment for me. I was expecting this to be, you know, a pretty high-scoring, high-flying game, and it was none of those cases. And it wasn't like it wasn't like the teams were shooting themselves in the foot, throwing interceptions, or doing any of that. It was more just ineptitude on offense, just not getting enough for the first down, or you know, not getting enough on first down and putting yourself in a bad situation and your quarterback has to throw the ball away. I mean, that that was basically how they played the game. And your guy, Nick Foles, came out like a bandit. Yeah, how could he call it a bandit? He scored 15 points. He came out like a bandit. He threw for what, nearly 300 yards? Come on. And they had 15 points. And you know how he did it? He did it by... By scoring points. You know, I I think the Eagles. Uh, I I saw I saw this today, and I thought it as I was watching this game. I thought about it. I thought about it the whole time. I think they came in with a game plan of, hey Nick Foles, you're not going to beat us today. You're not going to beat us. You're not going to throw the ball down the field. I don't think he threw a pass over 15 yards. And if he did, it wasn't completed. Every pass that he completed was either a swing pass to the running back or a hitch to the wide receiver. It was not a down-the-field throw. And that, to me, is what makes what the Eagles did more impressive because they didn't have a high-powered offense to lean back on. So the defense had to stop uh, the Falcons. And the Falcons did what they were supposed to. They got the ball to Julio Jones. Julio Jones had nine catches for 100 yards. I mean. Yeah, but he missed the big catch. He did miss the big one at the end. I mean, is that what that would have given the Falcons the game? I, I believe I, Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I see a lot of stats. I read a lot of things. And I do a little research. I like to be well informed. Look at you. Stats and information over here. Um, I believe Julio Jones was, or, or Matt Ryan was one for – this is on the season. One for nine when targeting Julio Jones in the end zone. Wow. That that is and that explains why the Falcons had such a bad such a bad season compared when you look at this season compared to last season. I believe it was one that, for eight when targeting a, Julio Jones in the end zone. That's a major step because Julio Jones is a guy that you should be hitting in the end zone. Or at least hit nail, you know, he should be catching the ball and hitting his head on the goalpost. So he's a um all right, computer froze, there we go. Now it's back up. But um yeah, I mean Julio Jones is a guy who you need to be getting the ball to in the end zone. I don't care what kind of offense you think you're running. If your offense is not if you're lined up on, on the inside the 10-yard line and you're not calling passing plays to Julio Jones, then just run the ball. I have no idea what you're, what you're trying to accomplish if you're not involving Julio Jones. 
And to be one of nine, that's a very telling statistic that Matt Ryan was just not having a, a Matty Ice kind of year. He was just having a Matt Ryan kind of year. And that's what happened to the Falcons. That's why they're no longer playing. But I just want to say that the Eagles have managed your guy, Nick Foles, perfectly and set him up for going on to the next round of the playoffs. All right. Oh, I'm not done with my, my stats and information. Yet. Oh, we've got more stats and information. Actually, I'm just bringing up the Facebook posting from the show because I know we have some comments. I'll go with my stats and information because it goes, it goes to Nick Foles. Excellent. I think before Fair. I think before Nick Foles got to Philly this year, I think it was safe to say most people thought he was he was done. And and I call it the Jeff Fisher effect. And this is going to lead us right into our next game. It's going to lead us right into. Right into Mr. Case Keenum. Right into Case Keenum, huh? This is this is all Nick Foles right here. He's four and seven when coached by Jeff Fisher. He has seven touchdowns, ten interceptions when coached by Jeff Fisher. He has a total QBR of twenty nine when coached by Jeff Fisher. Coached by anybody else, he's nineteen and eleven. He has 56 touchdown passes, 19 interceptions. He has a total QBR of 57. Very interesting. Now we're going to go back. Uh, that's, that's all I got to say that's about all, that. That's, that's all I have that's to say about that. Now we're going to talk about the other quarterback in the NFC Championship. Now, now let's talk about the real game. This was, and I will take the blame for this. I said it. I said this would be the worst game of the week that it would be a blowout either way. And it was not a blowout either way. And it was the most it was the most entertaining game of of the weekend. And um the Vikings and the Saints. It was basically a tale of two games. It was kind of it was kind of three games in one. It was kinda like the first half the third quarter, the the half, the half, half of the half of the from the third quarter to the half of the fourth quarter. Then all of a sudden, that last five minutes of this game was an absolute train wreck for both teams, and somehow the Vikings survived it. But let's 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 start at the beginning of this game. Let's start with. Let me just tell you why the Vikings won. I'm gonna. People are going to remain nameless. I was at a buddy's house this weekend watching the game, and I was a little bit frustrated myself because I didn't get a time to put in a uh, little bit more interesting than friendly wager, shall we say. <laughs> All right? The game kicked off. I was actually I was driving home from, uh, from out of town. That's why I didn't. Anyway, before the game kicked off, I said, oh, I want to bet on this friend, too, goes, Oh, I would too. I said, oh, what do you like? There's nothing to say. Now, the game just kicked off. It was a touchback, so nothing had happened. They were like, oh, I'll take the Vikings. We'll go. We're going to bet softball back. Okay. That person took the Saints, and they decided to wager with the Walrus. Ah, the wager. It's an old wager with the Walrus. Never works out well. <laughs> don't, don't do it. Well, we haven't had a caller yet to wager with the Walrus yet, so. So. We got At halftime, he's, he's about ready to concede at halftime. It was 17 nothing. Because all the game's over, you won. Blah, blah, blah. I said, no, it's not. I said, you have Drew Brees. This 
game is not over until the last second. It is exactly what I told him. Oh, no, game's over. I was right. He, he was, was wrong. It, and it definitely came down to the last second. I mean, uh, watching this game and seeing how the Saints were playing in that first half, I could see how he was saying, oh, this game is over, this game is over. And, you know, the Saints – but the thing about Minnesota and this, I, I think um, our caller last week, Mr. Saint himself, who happens to be a Vikings fan, said it the best. The Vikings will find a way to lose. And that special team, that blocked punt, was so Vikings playoff, it was not even funny. Because I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, they're going to punt. I, I will turn away. All of a sudden, I see it get blocked, and I was like, oh, this is going to spark every – I was like, the Saints are coming back now. Now they're back in the game. All of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. Saints are down the field, touchdown. They actually start. They actually took the lead at one point. And that's when I was like, uh-oh, are the, can the Vikings overcome this? The thing that I want to talk about that was most interesting in this game was – Sean Payton, it didn't come back to bite him, but how do you throw two challenges on two back-to-back plays and lose them both and lose both your timeouts in the fourth quarter of a game where of a one-possession game? It was the dumbest thing. He's either got people in his ear that are not watching the replays or Sean Payton was just, dead set on on getting that call right. Because both times he threw the flag, there was no reason to throw that, that challenge flag. I said it right when he threw it. I said it, he got got this one wrong. That was the first the first one was the catch. Uh was a I think it was like a fifteen yard catch or something. I think it was it was a fifteen yard catch that gave the Vikings a first down and it was a clear catch. And he throws the challenge flag Obviously, it gets held up, so they lose the timeout. They lose the challenge. Okay, fair enough. But then two plays later, he's throwing the challenge flag again on, I think it was a spot spot of the ball or something, and he loses that challenge. I mean, if if he doesn't have – if Drew Brees doesn't come back and give them the lead – if they needed those timeouts late, Sean Payton would have been in big trouble come come uh, come Monday morning. And I thought it was very odd because Sean Payton's usually a better coach than that. And I think he just got caught up in the game, caught up in the moment, and just made some absolutely boneheaded decisions. Granted, he has a Hall of Fame quarterback and – Hall of Fame quarterback was able to bring him back. Now let's go to Mr. Mitchell. Um, for those of you that haven't seen this play yet, I, I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you were doing or why you're listening to this show. If you have not seen the end of the Vikings Saints game, I think. I think he was just hit with an RKO out of nowhere. <laughs> I think he sent me a link of 
Stone Cold, of Stone Cold Stunner on that guy. I have no idea what this guy was thinking. I, I mean, if he – all right, so the, the ball's on the 39-yard line, 31 yard line of the Vikings, all right? <laughs> the Vikings have to go 69 yards just to get a touchdown. They have to go at least – let's say they have to go at least 40 yards to get a reasonable field goal. And there's nine seconds left when Stephon Diggs catches that ball. If if Mitchell just holds him, just hugs him, the game's over. There's no timeouts left. All you have to do is hug him. Can't do it. Puts his head down. And not only does he miss the tackle, but he takes out the only other New Orleans Saints in the area who could have stopped. Stephon Diggs from scoring the game-winning touchdown. So, um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that play, Walrus? Well, I can't lie. At that point, I was ready to concede. And I thought the Walrus had finally, finally made his match in wagering with the Walrus. Alas, it was not to be. You just don't wager with the walrus and get away with it. <laughs> obviously not. There is obviously something more involved in that other than Case Keenum just throwing the ball. And no. Yeah, and I want I want you to continue on the play because I want to I want to I don't want to get to the celebration yet. I want to celebrate for all you Vikings fans out there. Whatever you had to say for those last thirty seconds of the game. The churches are now open at 9, 11, and 1 p.m. on Sunday. <laughs> Everything you promised the Lord, if somebody happened, you owe him. You owe him. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, how did I, – I, I still – And you're still quarterbacked by Case Keenum, so you probably don't want to piss God off. Yeah. Um, but my favorite part of that whole, that whole scene was – the aftermath of what happened. Stephon Diggs scores the touchdown, rips his helmet off. He's, he's just standing there pointing to the crowd. He was an absolute – his, his celebration mode went, went, just went off. I mean, if he had fireworks, he would have set them off. If he had anything at his disposal, he would have easily – Easily done. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't do, like, backflips or whatever. But he soaked up that moment so awesomely. I I loved it. And I was watching with a group of people, and everybody was like, what is this guy doing? Why is he acting like that? And I was like, he just scored a touchdown to win the game, like, I would be doing the same thing. I I would have put I would have punted my helmet. I would have thrown. I would have thrown everything. I would have ripped my shoulder pads off. If I just scored a touchdown to win a playoff game in the NFL with zero time to go, I'm whipping my biggest out of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm going Baker. I'm going. I'm taking Baker Mayfield to the extreme at that point. I mean, it's it's just I I couldn't and. Then they show Case Keenum's reaction. Case Keenum, you you watch his reaction. 
His reaction is total befuddlement when he's like, holy shit. He, it's like he was like throwing the ball and he's like, I hope he catches it. Well, but, you know what? I, but he wasn't even ready. It's not like he was right. It's not like Case Keenum was like, he threw the ball and then he was just standing there watching. Well, it's not even, what do you want to do? Go downfield and block? No, if I'm, if I'm the quarterback in that situation, I'm throwing the ball. I see him catch it. I'm, ru- I'm running down the field. You got nine seconds to get a playoff. <laughs> you got to be telling your guys, hey, let's go, let's go. If he gets tackled, we got to spike the ball so we have a shot at a field goal or we have a shot at another. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We have, I, I believe this is Mr. Saint calling in. But while we're talking Vikings, let's see what we got here. Here we go. Hey, how you doing? You're live on the air with the football show. Who are we talking to? Oh, you already called it, Mr. Saint. Hey, I recognize the number. What's going on, Sean? Hey, fellas, how's everything? Wonderful. We're great. We're 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 just finishing up talking about talking about your Vikings here. So, I, I want to know I want to know what you were thinking during that game. Oh man, I you know what? I think I had a mini stroke. Um I'm still recovering. <laughs> uh, now, my is, you know you have to go to church now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what the you know you the, the crazy part about this? I know you did. You know what uh <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh this might sound cliche, but before the game started, I I I, I said a few prayers, and uh, they were answered. Now, I I I know I I just said it I just said it on the air. I, I'm I was thinking of I was thinking of you when they blocked that punt. Oh yeah, when that the was punt. I was thinking, how Vikings is this? <laughs> Were you on the same page? Oh, absolutely. And you know what? The funny thing, uh, for those uh, two field goals that Kai, Bo- Kai Forbath hit, I, uh, I I could not watch either one of them. I had to walk. Well, do you want to, would you rather talk about the one that he missed? <laughs> was that, the one he missed was the one before halftime, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I, we were saying, I mean, that's – Kai Forbath missed, missed badly, but the Saints field goal kicker was ten times worse. <laughs> so I knew if it was, was coming it? down to the yards, we're in trouble. <laughs> but what what ha- what were, what were you thinking on that last play? All right, so I'll take you through exactly what happened in my household at that exact moment. So. Uh, right after the Saints kicked their field goal to go up, I promptly walked into my room, proceeded to take off my jersey, but said to myself, you know what, I have company, I'll go, I'll sit with them, and I'm glad I did, because right when that play happened, I think I I did a backflip. And... <laughs> I expect nothing less. <laughs> So, so you basically went Stefan Diggs on 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 your on your guess. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say. I mean, that 
that was truly awesome. What Steph, Stephon Diggs, I mean, you, he, he's celebrating in the end zone. Then they're cut into commercial, and he's standing on the bleachers and just smoking in the yeah. moment. I was like, that is awesome. You know the the best one though. Um, I don't I don't think you mentioned it yet, but uh, on my uh, Vikings.com app, uh, they have uh, Everson Griffin uh, wired for sound for that game, and they showed his reaction at the end. And I, I think that sold it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope I hope they cl- I hope they cleaned it up because I I hope he was dropping a couple a couple of of choice words. For for how he could describe, because that was all I said after it was holy bleep. Before, before we lose Sean, how much time we had? How did you feel about the uh, about Sean Payton mocking the the skull clap on the sideline? You know what? I I'm gonna say this is that I never had anything bad to say about Sean Payton, but uh, over the last few weeks. He's been doing some some pretty uh, questionable things on the sideline there. He, uh, you know, going back to you know the last few games, and I don't know what his deal is if he's just cocky or overconfident. But yeah, he need you know he needs to dial it down a little bit because uh, now he's uh, sitting home playing golf. I mean, you could go back to the beginning of the season when he was fighting with Adrian Peterson on the sideline. Uh, Sean Payton's been in been in rare form this whole year, and I, I said that before when he threw both his challenges out in two back to back plays. I was like, "That's not Sean Payton. That's not the Sean Payton we're used to." Maybe maybe he's just maybe he's just trying to get on Walrus's list of getting fired. You want me to put Sean Payton on the list? Put anybody in the list? I have a feeling. Maybe he's and I think Sean Payton was trying to get get that feeling out of you. But Saint, so while we got you on here, what what do you say? What are you feeling for next week? You know, um, this this last game showed me a lot about Case Keenum, um, for, for good and for bad. For, for the bad is that he still got to get it out of his head that he throws up those wild passes while he's off his back foot and it costs him with the interception. Um, but the good is that, you know, late in the game, he was able to move the ball. And I think that if, if they can maintain that throughout the whole game, then I think they're going to do really well against Philly. Because I think that, uh, you know, I give Nick Foles his prop, but I don't see him coming back in the second half of a game against our defense like uh, Drew Brees did. Uh, I mean – I think I think you're absolutely right on that one. I don't think the Eagles can dink and dunk the way they did against the Falcons. The the Vikings have a much much more rallying to the football defense than the Falcons did. So if he's going to do that dink and dunk, throw the ball to Jay Ajayi 900 times, I'm pretty sure that's not gonna not gonna break like it did for against the Falcons. Um. So I think I think the Vikings are in good shape, but I but I do think the Vikings are, are the the one thing that the Saints showed is that they are susceptible to the throws down the field, and and uh, I think the toughest part for your defense there, Saint, is going to be trying to shut down Alshon Jeffrey because they don't really have a matchup, guys. You saw 
your best cover guy is Xavier Rhodes, and he plays mostly in the slot. So it's going to be interesting to see how they match up with that with that tall receiver, and see see how they how they counteract that one. Yeah, I think uh, what's key for uh, for the Eagles too is um, if our uh, if our second safety there uh, Sendejo is out with a concussion, uh, who would have back there if they try to to pick on him? So that that's going to be something to watch too. But I also think that uh, the uh, the Clement kid there uh, he might be able to do some damage in the the short pass game. So we'll have to contain you know all the receivers, but. Um, you know, we'll see. I think uh, if they're, you know, if they swarm to the ball like they normally do, I think we'll limit the damage. Well, the good, the good thing for you guys is your game is not until six. As it says on my TV, the game doesn't start till six forty. So you got plenty of time to go to church on Sunday. Sit, you know, sit, <laughs> say thanks for the uh, prayers that were answered and ask some more. They got plenty of time to get that done, and I, I would suggest I would I would suggest taking up Wal- Walrus's advice of doing so. <laughs> I just hope I don't run out of prayers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just hoping they didn't use. I'm hoping Stefan Diggs still has something left in his tank after all his celebrations. Oh, I have no doubt about that. And then we got Adam Thielen on the other end. That's a dynamic duo right there. <laughs> that's a good point. I mean, that, Thielen is probably their best pass catcher, and he was kind of lost the other day. So, you know, that 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 could could play play into the hands of the Vikings. All right, Saint. Uh, we got the Viking. We got the Vikings perspective here, and um, you know, you're more than welcome to call us up next week, and hopefully, we are. Celebrating the first home team ever to host the Super Bowl. I'll say I, I got the Vikings this week. I like it. You still, say, you still there? Yes, sir. Oh. Well, what do you got? What do you got for a prediction on the game? It's always hard to predict your own team. Uh, but uh, you know what? I'm going to follow the trend of the playoffs so far and say that it's going to come down to a field goal or a touchdown. Um, although I do think that if the Vikings can stay locked in in the second half on defense, that they could, uh, you know, hopefully uh, end the game in victory formation with a kneel down. So that that's what I'm hoping for. Well, I, I hope I hope you're right because being a Cowboys fan and a Mets fan and a Rangers fan and a Celtics fan, I hate everything Philadelphia. So I'm hoping <laughs> I hope you're right, and I hope for your sake it does not come down to the foot of Kai Forbath because that that would not that'll probably have you more more un un at ease. <laughs> You'll probably be more upset about that than you were about the being at the 31 yard line. You probably have a better yeah. chance of scoring on that play than you do of Kai Forbath hitting a field goal. Yeah, I, I hear that. And uh, I actually have the task of uh, watching the game, with, uh, the best man at my wedding coming up and he's a, a diehard Eagles fan. So that's going to be the hardest part of the day for me. <laughs> 
Ah, oh, well, you know, you, that, that that'll give you that'll give you a nice a nice rivalry, and and ho- hopefully you got hopefully you got something riding on it. You gotta you gotta make a oh, friend, yeah. you gotta have a friendly loser out there. Always. Always. All right, Saint, not, nice a, not, a, uh, not a not a not a walrus bet, but. <laughs> All right, fellas, you take care. All right, man. Thanks for calling. All right. All right. So we heard we heard what we heard the the Vikings' perspective. Um. So, um, you know, we heard we heard what it was like for a Vikings fan to watch that uh that last play and I could only imagine if that was my if that was my team, I can only imagine what I would have been doing had had that gone on. Because I was I was celebrating and it wasn't even my team. So pretty uh pretty amazing stuff there. Um so Walrus, let's move on to we talked a little bit about the Jaguars and the Patriots already. So Let's get let's get some let's look at some feedback here. I want to see. I'm just pulling up the Facebook page because we did ask the question. All right. Well, while you get that up, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to my stat that I had earlier that I found interesting. Go ahead. Well, yeah. Tom Brady AFC Championship appearances. He has twelve in a sixteen year career. AFC Championship appearances, not wins. That is a seventy five percent seventy five percent of his career he's made it to the AFC title game. Blake Bortles' career completion percentage is 59%. Tom Brady literally has a better chance of making the AFC title game than Blake Bortles has of completing a pass. <laughs> I, I love that stat. I think there's that's an amazing stat. There's a 16% chance, better chance that Tom Brady makes the AFC title game than Blake Bortles completes a pass. Oh, my. Um, you know... I think I think this is going to be I, I I think this is I, I want to get this question out of the way first before we go into breaking down the Jags and the Patriots. Um, is this the worst AFC championship? Is this the worst set of quarterbacks to start an AFC and in you know a champion an NFL championship? Sunday. Oh, is it awful? Is, is this the awful? worst? I mean, you have the greatest quarterback, or the greatest statistical quarterback of all time. When you count in everything, the winningest, he's gonna he's gonna play till he's forty five. It looks like he's gonna have every stat you can think of if he keeps doing what he's doing. So you've got that in Tom Brady. Everybody else is garbage. <laughs> I mean, everybody else that plays quarterback at the beginning of the season was either not going to make their roster or you didn't even know they were on a roster until about half until halfway through the until the season got got into full swing. So, I think it is I I think it is the worst quarterback pairing of 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 all time in any championship and Again, I challenge I challenge our callers, I challenge our listeners out there. If you think there's a worse foursome than Tom Brady, Blake Bortles, Nick Foles, and uh, Case Keenum, if you think there is 
a worse foursome that has played in the NFL Championship Sunday, you call up and let me know because I would love to. I would love. I would love to hear if I would love to hear a, a worse a worse. Like, I'm going to go on record right now. Blake Bortles is going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Wow. So moving to the – Wallace is moving us on to the prediction oh, phase. Oh, that's what I'm doing. I keep oh, things moving. You keep things moving here. We're going to the Jaguars. That seems to be and, – and going by the, going by the unscientific uh, poll of people who responded to my uh, Facebook post. My Facebook uh, – I, I I was I was trying to think of a better word for what what our sh- how we promote our my show promotion that's what I was thinking of. So of the people that responded, we've had mostly people rooting for the Jaguars, which I find odd because being in Connecticut and going to college in Massachusetts, plenty of Patriot fans are out there on my. Uh, on my Facebook, a link to my Facebook account, and we haven't seen that many Patriot supporters. We are mostly people that want the Jags to win. I mean, one of them I could say is probably rooting for the Jags because he wants a better chance for his team should they get to the championship game. But, and another one is another radio host who seems to want the Jags. I think I think that's what it is. I think it's people pretty much don't want to see the Patriots. But the NFL, I think the NFL needs the Patriots in the Super Bowl. They they need they need someone to hate in the Super Bowl. They need someone that people can watch and get furious at um during the game. Especially with the way that this NFL season has gone in the public, in the in the terms of public opinion, um, in the ratings, in just getting ap- the NFL getting absolutely destroyed by, you know, politicians and talking heads on TV and radio. The NFL has just been getting absolutely destroyed. So I think they need the Patriots in there to give people something to sink their teeth in and say, I want to watch the game. I want to see, you know, you're going to get the Patriots fans that want to see greatness. You're going to see people that want to see Bill Belichick. They want to see Tom Brady. If the Jaguars are in there, I don't, I don't think you're going to get, you're not going to get that many people saying, I want to see Jacksonville win a Super Bowl. Um, I think, I think you're going to lose a lot of audience if it's not the Patriots. What do you think about that, Walrus? I think the Super Bowl is going to get – if you called it the Super Bowl, you could get ratings if you and I were in it. They don't care. It's going to get ratings no matter what. But for some reason, Roger Goodell, I think, enjoys Bob Kraft's um, tool in or around his, uh, his, oral, <laughs> his oral opening. Well, I think if we um... – if we if we want to bring Bob Kraft into this, I think um, we could go back and look at 
the theme, what seems to be the theme of the last year or at least last year and a half, I'm going to blame it on the Russians. Because you know, you know, Vladimir Putin still still got uh, still got Bob Kraft's Super Bowl ring, so he probably is like, hey, uh, we'll fix it. So the Russians probably want to fix it so uh, Putin can get another one. Yes, yes, I just went conspiracy theory all over the NFL because that's what we do here. Um. So anyway, in the game, Walrus, you like you like the Jags? Why? Uh, I think they have uh, I think they have a tremendous defense. I think they can generate a pass rush that's going to get in Brady's face, and you know that that just really irritates that poor little man behind the center. He just can't stand when somebody gets in his little face. And I think Jalen Ramsey is big, big enough and strong enough to go one-on-one with Gronk. And they still have uh, a Bouye who can go over and take out Cook. They, they, have, they have enough defensive weaponry to slow down the Patriot offense. The only, the only real flaw they're going to have, and, and, I, and I know Bill Belichick is going to do it because he's great at finding and exploiting your flaws, you're going to have to put – Barry Church in coverage. Oh God! Uh, as a Cowboys fan, that is a, a bad. That is a bad option. Barry Church in coverage is not good. No, that, and that is what that is what the Patriots are going to do. They are going to make them put Barry Church in coverage. That is not Barry Church's strong suit. <laughs> Barry Church doesn't have his strong suit is standing on the field. That's about it. Anything, like else like anything else that he does, anything else that he does is absolutely. If he if he moves at all, he gets injured. So I know now. I know that's just bitter, bitter Dallas Cowboy fan that had to watch Barry Church get injured all the time. And every time we needed a big play, he would be on the sidelines with some some kind of injury, a pulled quad, hamstring. I like Barry Church. Some kind of finger issue. But um, I'm 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 going the other way on this. I have no I have no faith that Blake Bortles is going to be able to go into New England and and be able to muster anything up against that defense. I think um, I think the Patriots are going to load up on Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette is not going to be able to run wild. I say Leonard Fournette gets over eighty five yards. If he gets over 85 yards, the Jaguars are probably in good shape. Would you like to wager with the Walrus? That he does not get 85 yards? Yeah. Uh, sure. I'll go. I don't think Leonard Fournette is going to get an 85. I think he's going to be more of a 55-yard 50, performance somewhere around there. And maybe not even that because I think the Patriots are just going to do what the Patriots do and come out and absolutely rock the house. And that's going to put, that's going to put the Jags in a position where they can't give the ball to Leonard Fournette all the time. They have, they have to throw. And if they have to throw and Blake Bortles and Blake Bortles is their backbone. I think that's going to be trouble for the New England, uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I'm gonna go with a I'm gonna go with a Patriots blowout. I think it's gonna be a pretty big. You went out and live with that one. I think it's gonna be a pretty pretty non non competitive matchup. 
and I'm going to go something like, I'm going to say like 35-10, maybe 38-10, to 10, somewhere around there. What do you think, since you got the Jags, what do you think the Jags have to do to keep it close? To What, what do you think the, the score has to be, be like for the Jags to stay? Because it sounds like you're saying they have to hold the Patriots, but how much do the Jags have to put up to be able to? Oh, I, I think they put up thirty again. You think they? Uh, you think they get thirty points yeah. in New England against Belichick and Patricia? Yep. Interesting. You mean Patricia, who pretty much checked out to the Lions? Sure, pretty much. Uh, Josh McDaniels, who pretty much checked out to. And another number of jobs. Uh, the Patriot linebackers coach, I'm sorry, his name escapes me at the time, who may have also checked out to the Cardinals job. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot of people with stuff that oh, might not be on to Jacksonville. I'm sure they're on to Jacksonville. That's the thing about the assistant coaches in New England. I mean, how many times have they been through this? I mean, I think every – I don't think Every they've ever lost both coordinators in the same year. I, I don't believe so. I don't believe I, – I, I mean, until until Matt Patricia, I, I really don't remember any I, – I couldn't even tell you who the defensive coordinator of New England was, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I really don't – I really, I really can't, can't think that far back to even know who it was that – they would have re- that they replaced. Um, it wasn't Romeo Cornell. No, they. I, did they lose when they lost Romeo Cornell? Didn't they lose Romeo Cornell to like the Browns or somebody? And Charlie Weiss went to Notre Dame. Not at the same time. I thought it was something like that. No, I'm pretty sure this is the first time. They've lost both coordinators at the same. I mean, it, it, the thing that makes it more interesting about New England is that they're losing not only their coordinators, they're losing three coaches to head coaching jobs because they are lo- they're going to lose their linebacker coach, as you said. They're also losing the offensive coordinator and the um, they're losing McDaniel's and they're losing Patricia. So um, it'll be interesting to see the way that this shakes out. But I I still don't see the Jaguars putting up 30 points on the on the New England Patriots in New England. I, I don't I don't see that happening. And I don't I haven't checked the weather, but I'm sure there's going to be What's some weather man- have to do with anything. Blake Bortles can't pass to begin with, so their offense is dependent on him making completing a lot of passes. It doesn't matter. They're they're from Jacksonville. There's gonna be it it's gonna be it's gonna be wicked cold. But they're not used to it. But they play a style of football suitable to the North because they don't have a great quarterback. Their quarter their offense is not dependent on Blake Bortles throwing the ball forty yards downfield. Well that makes it even worse because once the Patriots get Patriots who are used to throwing in the snow, we've seen Brady Throw, we've seen Brady throw for almost 400 yards in the snow. I saw them do it against your team uh, a few years back. 
in, in a blazing snowstorm, Brady throws for over 400 yards. So they know how to do it. And Jacksonville, well, they, they are going to have to – it's something that they, they are going to have to overcome. And watch. It's going to just all of a sudden get bitterly cold. We might even see some snow because that's how the Patriots work. They might have – they might have snow those, those like um, you know like they do at, uh, at at ski at ski resorts. They might just have those on top of the building, just shooting snow onto the field. You never know what the Patriots. You never know what the what the Patriots are thinking. But all right, let's go to the next. Let's go to the NFC game. Um, I like the um. I I I am rooting and and I do I like the Minnesota Vikings here. I I think their defense is more capable of shutting down Philly's um, offense than Philadelphia's defense is of shutting down the Vikings' offense. Um, one of my one of my one of my buddies, my buddy Steve. Uh, big Eagles fan. He, I see, I he said he's got he's got a 17-13 Eagles. So he think he's thinking it's going to be more of a defensive struggle. And I think the Vikings the Vikings defense alone provides ten points. I think they score a touchdown and and give Case Keenum the ball in field goal territory. I um, so I. I see them getting ten points just from their defense. Who's that? The Eagles? No, oh, no. Oh, the Vikings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, I, I, I think, I think that's the big difference in the game is that Nick Foles is more prone to the turnover than um, than Case Keenum is, and Case Keenum is. Um, you know, like 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 Mr. Saint said during his call, you know, Case Keenum does have some of that moxie where he tries to throw the ball into areas where he should not throw the ball. He does have a little bit of that. I, I want to. I, I I can't think of any other way to say this other than he has some of that Brett Favre in him, where he just thinks he can make a play. And if Mike Zimmer can somehow get that. Um, coached out of them, you might have a uh, big chance. You you got a better chance at the Vikings winning um, winning this game. But one thing I will agree with, with what with what Lavazza said is he said he thinks the Eagles are going to block a punt. And I totally, totally w- would not disagree. I would not disagree with that. The Vikings special teams is god awful. I disagree. I uh, I don't think the Vikings allow a block punt two weeks in a row. Really? I think they're, they're I, I, like I said, a blocked punt is it, it, it's not something you see often, but it's not it's not something I can say. Oh, that's definitely not going to happen with the Vikings because their special teams is awful. From from their kicking game to their punting game, it's it's just not something. It's not something I would I would feel confident about putting my punter out there and not having it blocked. 
opportunity. Um, he's a defensive coach, and he, there's a quarterback in place there. That, that's what you. If you're going to be a first-time defensive head coach, you have to have a you have to have a quarterback in place. That that is true. That, that, I mean, if anybody could do it without one, it's Matthew The guy is literally a rocket scientist. Yes, he, he is, is a rocket, rocket scientist. But I I still don't know if I want him to develop a quarterback. Because if you can't do it, you're setting your you're setting your team back at least four years. Mm-hmm. And um, and the Lions are not going to be. Uh, well, I mean, the Lions, let's be honest. The uh, the Fords for ownership pretty laid back. They extended Matt Millen. <laughs> There's not a lot of pressure over there in Detroit. No, there isn't. There's... Matt Millen got himself a contract extension. Plus, as long as you win one game, you're not the worst coach in the history of. <laughs> as long as you win one game, you're not. You haven't coached the worst team in the franchise's history, so you got that going for you too. Because hey, we weren't the worst. But um, so the other news in coaching that happened this week was um, North Turner. Miraculously, uh, there's a whole lot of nepotism going on. There's four, there's three or four Turners on the Carolina staff. I mean, I get it with North Turner. I get it that there's a lot going on. So somebody said this to me. Has there has there ever been a coordinator? I said, yeah, you said that to me. I was like, when North Turner was heading off. Elaborate the story. When North Turner was the head coach in San Diego, his defensive coordinator was Ron Rivera. <laughs> Ron Rivera now runs the Panthers, and North Turner is his offensive coordinator. Uh, I don't. I. I honestly, I, I looked it up a little bit. Go over. Has anybody else? Can anybody Facebook win? I don't care if you message me, tell me I'm an idiot, how did I miss this? Has anybody as a head coach ever ended up as a coordinator for somebody that worked for them? Because I, I can't think of one. I can't think of that happening. Um, I, 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 really, I really can't think of one. I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, maybe – I was trying to think of maybe like a, a Dom Capers situation, like when he took over Carolina, or he took over and then, Texas, and then he went to then he became the defensive coordinator at Green Bay. But I don't think only Mike McCarthy I, ever worked under him. I don't think Mike. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Mike McCarthy ever worked under under him. That that's the only situation I could think of where where. It, where that kind of happened. I mean, you don't see that that often. But what I want to know is how North Turner miraculously healed enough to become the offensive coordinator in Carolina. That's that's the miracle that I want to know of. Because when he quit from the Vikings, he didn't quit because he had issues. He quit because of health reasons. I mean, he must have had... He must have had that Urban Meyer. He must have had that Urban Meyer kind of uh, kind of medical condition where, you know, oh, I've got this medical condition. I can't coach, and then all of a sudden a year later, 
two I believe two of his sons are are working there. Maybe he did just want the opportunity to work with his sons. That's pro that's that's pro probably more of the uh more more of the of of the story than than what it is and, and it's probably like a stepping stone thing, like, hey, I'll be the offensive coordinator, teach my sons how to do it and they can take it over at some point. Um let's all right, so we've got that coaching situation out of the way. Let's go to who do they like in Tennessee? You know, that's what I'm. That's what I can't figure out. Who are they going to get? That's I, 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 I got to go Josh McDaniels. I think everybody wants Josh McDaniels. Well, well no, I, and, but there's a little there, there's breadcrumbs here. If you, just just follow. Me. All right, Hansel. Let's let's get this going here. Um. If you fire, I mean, don't be wrong. I hate Mike Malarkey. I'd have fired him anyway. <laughs> yeah, he was already fired. I, I, I'm fired Mike Malarkey anyway. But if you, Tigers haven't been good in years. If you take a coach like a Mike Malarkey with back-to-back winning seasons, playoff game, win a playoff game. If you fire that coach, you have to make a splash. You have to make them. You don't fire him to promote from within. So they, they they must already have an idea of who they want to hire. One, number two, the Titans GM, John Robinson. Okay. You know where he's from? You know where he cut his teeth? New England. And he supposedly has a tremendous working relationship with one Joshua McDaniel. Well, I think I think that would be the right situation for Josh McDaniels anyway. I mean, I think the other job that he was that he's been linked to is the Colts. And 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 again I'm a Titans fan, so I'm a little biased here. But I think the Titans job is much better. That's what I was gonna say. I think People the like, Titans... oh they have luck, they have luck. Number one, like it's been speculated Andrew Luck might never play again. His shoulders that screwed up, number one. Yeah, and the, the people that say, well, he'll play again, you got to get him a lot. The Colts have never been able to acquire an offensive line. No, that's that's what I'm saying. You might have Andrew Luck, but what else is on that roster that you really want, that you really, really want want to get behind besides the field goal kicker? And he's about 109 <laughs> exactly. years old. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He kicked for Bill Snyder. <laughs> and, I mean... But the Titans roster, the Titans roster, when you go up and down it, is far, far better than the New England, than the uh, Indianapolis. Colts don't have any really defensive pieces that are really noteworthy. They don't have any pieces. I mean, you, they haven't, they haven't really done anything. And I mean, T. Y. Hilton, he's probably got about a year, year and a half until he hits that wide receiver ledge. And, and yeah, if he's even back with the team, I mean. And they've got Frank Gore, but how much longer are you going to have Frank? Frank Gore is like the ageless wonder. I mean, you look at these guys that we're naming. I mean, you got the field goal kicker there. Yeah, I'm not saying his name for a reason, just because I don't feel like mentioning it. Um, you've got you've got Gore. You've got T.Y. Hilton. These are your star players, and they're going to be gone 
in about a year and a half, maybe maybe two years tops of being anywhere useful on the football field. Um, and that's just and that that's just age. That's just age wise. The rest of the roster is absolutely terrible, except for Andrew Luck. But Andrew Luck, we don't know what his he's a quarterback with his <laughs> quarterback with problems to his throwing shoulder. Everybody all good. He'll be back. He'll be back. The owner's state of the year, I mean, before the season started, all Andrew Luck, fine, he'll be back. He missed the entire season. <laughs> he'll be back in game one. Andrew Luck played like three games in the last two years. Yeah. He's, he's not exactly uh, a guy I would say is uh, dependable right now. You you don't know what you're getting with Andrew Luck. So, um there, so there's there's that. I, if I were Josh McDaniels, I would he take the Titans' job. Even when they had Andrew Luck, he wasn't that good. He was propped up against a shitty division. Yeah. I I, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I know he was supposed to be the second coming. I, Andrew Luck is yet to impress me. I think the only year he really did anything was that was that was the 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 AFC Championship game, the Deflate Gate, right? I believe so. I think it was. I, that's the only year that he looked any what decent. And even in that year, I think it was. I think it was that year. The, I think that was the year where they were down something like twenty points to the Chiefs. They were down some astronomical number against the Chiefs in in the first round and had to rally to get back into a game. So I would say that Andrew Luck is not uh, – if you're going to bank your, your – if you're, you're going to build your bank on, all right, which job do I want, Andrew Luck is not the guy you're, you want you want to stake your claim at, especially when you look at the rest of the Titans roster and, and what they have. He's already left and had questionable quarterback prospects the first time around. Yeah, and he's – we all know he's not a he's not a guy who's going to draft a good quarterback. He's the guy that's going to draft Tim Tebow. <laughs> that's that's what Josh McDaniels is going to get you. All right, so let's move let's move on to the Giants. What are the Giants doing? All I've heard them is going after Patricia. Now that Patricia's off the table, uh, it's sure. That, that that's right. They're going after the Vikings. Off. I, uh, I actually heard they're gonna, they're still looking to trade Eli, and the Giants may go for a uh, a Pat Shermer, Kate Keenum package. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and what? And draft a quarterback, and then yeah. have Case Keenum be like a, a year. Of, if if that's, that's what the Giants are out of the franchise, they're they're using Case Keenum. If that's what Case Keenum wants to do. Or if that's the only thing Case Keenum can get, I, I would, I would feel bad for Case Keenum to be in that situation where he has this awesome year, and they're like, "Yeah, you can hold the place for a year." I mean that. Well, you know that might be that might not be the worst thing ever for Case Keenum, because um, the, the numbers I'm hearing on Case Keenum after the season. 17. Well, no, if the money is astronomical, then but, 
Yeah, I'm not going to feel bad for him money-wise. I'm going to feel bad for him playing-wise. What I'm saying is, no, no. If he can go sign maybe a two-year deal at $17 million per and the second year is an option year, and he can go and he can do it again in, in New York, he might get a, he, he might be able to get a four- or five-year contract on the open market because he did it again. Yeah, he did it again. Yeah, he's got to do it again. But It was beneficial for both parties. He, he could establish his market work again. And the Giants get the quarterback they need. And the question is, could he do it again in New York? And that that would be a that's a long well, shot that right might now. That's the only way he gets the money he's looking for. I don't think anybody's paying Case Keenum seventeen million a year. I I don't. I mean, we talked about it last week. I don't think that number is anywhere near. Anyone who spends that is seriously hampering your salary cap. And that's one of the things you have to really well, look not at. Really, because that's still low for a quarterback. Quarterbacks are getting twenty, twenty-five million a year. But you could pay. I mean, you could pay. I think it's all going to depend on what I said it last week. It's going to depend on what Alex Smith does and what Alex Smith gets, and then we move off of that. Because that that to me is going to be the contract that sets the sets the market this year. Him and then Kirk oh, Cousins. I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Kirk Cousins is who? Alex Smith. Wow. I think Alex Smith is going to set the market as far as what teams are willing to pay for a quarterback. I mean, we already know we're, we know we know teams like to pay their own quarterback. We haven't seen what teams want to pay enough another guy's quarterback. The Saints paid Drew Brees. The Saints paid Drew Brees. That was the, but that was that, how long ago was that? The Dolphins paid uh, Dante Culpepper. How long uh, again? How Maybe. long ago was that? We're we're in an era where contracts have absolutely exploded. So well, I mean, it, and the Dolphins it, paid Jay Cutler ten million dollars, and he didn't even want to play football. Yeah, but that was because of injury. You're you're saying you know, there's gonna be there's gonna be a plethora of quarterbacks on the this might be the first time in recent memory that, that I could think of where there might be more quarterbacks available than jobs. Well there were more quarterbacks available than jobs this year. We found that out the hard way. Because no, no. there's one quarterback who's been sitting at home the he's entire season. <laughs> but, but there's gonna be quarterbacks out there. Jay Cutler's out there. Jay Cutler's not He's not coming back unless it's Adam, unless it's back in Miami. The only reason he came back is because he likes Adam Gates. That's that's it. I think he likes money. Um, his wife has like thirty-seven children. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, she does. That might be a reason to get out of the house. Um, <laughs> let's think about the quarterbacks could be out there. Though. Teddy Bridgewater could be out there. Bridgewater, Keenum, Keenum, Bradford, all three of the Vikings quarterbacks. I mean, you're not going to back the bridge truck up for those guys, but if you're not – basically, you know what you're getting out of Sam Bradford. Yeah. If you need to stop that, you get Sam Bradford. Alex Smith. Alex Smith. Mike, Alex Smith Kirk Cousins. There's five, that's five quarterbacks right there. Yeah. And uh, uh, Eli – well, Eli, I mean, Eli, Eli, Eli's available via trade, or they could just or they could, could just get rid of them if they can't trade them. Um. You've got 
I I believe Ryan Tannehill could possibly be available. Tannehill, no. I think think technically Tannehill is still under contract, but he has already received the majority of his guaranteed money. You you could probably try to make a move for Beathard from uh, San Francisco. I mean, what else are they? What else are they going to do? They got Jimmy G. They're not going to flip flop with uh, Jimmy G anymore. I'm talking about Beathard. CJ Beathard. Oh, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do. I was waiting for you to bring it up. I was like, oh, come on, here. He's an Iowa kid. He's an Iowa kid. You know, you know, he's, you know, he's all, you know, he's all there. He's from Iowa. Come on. But um. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks available. So, um, I don't – but I I also think how we got onto this conversation is we're talking about the the coaching, you know, what's going to go on with, with the – what's going to go on with the Giants. And they, they are getting – I did see the report. They are getting uh, – what's it, Pat Shermer? That's what I thought. So – Pat Shermer, he's got an NFL, uh, he's got an NFL legacy. I think his dad was an offensive coordinator, or might have been a head coach somewhere. He's um, been a head coach. So we'll we'll see. So we'll see how that plays out for the uh, for the Giants. Uh, the card, the Cardinals, the Cardinals are, are seriously looking at the. Uh, the Patriots linebacker coach, isn't that isn't that what the story was today? Well, I don't know if and this is this is a developing story. Um apparently uh Mike Munchak, he was a former head coach of the Titans, uh he's been working for the Steelers, I believe as an offensive line coach, interviewed for the Cardinals job and turned down a second opportunity. <laughs> so I don't know if he perhaps is in line for another job somewhere. I, 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 or he just maybe was trying to respectfully. He didn't think the Cardinals was a good fit for him. He didn't like after the first interview because mm. it's not always the the franchise interviewing the coach. Sometimes yeah, the, the coach, coach is interviewing yeah. the franchise. Well, I mean that's that that's what uh, that's what Bill Belichick did. Except he actually took the job. <laughs> Except he actually reportedly took the job and then resigned, and resigned before the press conference was oh, over. <laughs> then he got into the press conference and was like, "These guys don't know what they're doing. I'm yeah, getting out of here." <laughs> he said, "I'm on to New England," and they're like, "Wait, they're not on the schedule yet, Coach." He's like, "No, no, no, I'm." <laughs> No, no, no. I'm not thinking about them. I'm moving. I'm, I'm on. I'm on my way. So there's a there's still a lot of coaching carousel left. I imagine all of that once we get to the Super Bowl. We I imagine a lot of the coaching will be decided next week. Probably probably Monday of next week because we have a week off between the Super Bowl. That's usually when a lot of these jobs get filled because you know there's only two teams left and um and and teams have some time to actually uh you know their their assistant coaches have time to go out and make those decisions 
get get those meetings in and actually figure things out. So probably by next week's show, we'll have a lot of those positions filled and we'll have more to talk about. But um, if they bring Matt, do, do you think Matt Patricia keeps Coach Cooter? Yeah. Um, will will he retain? You retain Coach <laughs> Will he retain Coach Cooter? Who gets rid of Cooter? (laughs) He doesn't want to throw the Cooter out. He doesn't want to throw the Cooter out out on the street. He wants to keep keep the Cooter in the house. That's that's pretty much much his game. Um, So I'm just going through the list here. We've talked about that. We've talked about that. All right. We talked about some things with the – NFL draft coming up. As I said last, as I said, you know we've got we've got the playoff games to discuss next week. We'll probably do a lot more draft next week because the Super Bowl. Like I said, they take take a week off. Are they doing? Are they doing the Pro Bowl that week? I didn't see about the Pro Bowl. I saw a Pro Bowl skills competition. That's the day before the oh. Pro Bowl. So. I'm, not, I'm more interested in the. The skills competition is awesome. Yeah. Let's just say that right now. Skills competition is way better than the game. The, the first time they did it was, was last year. and Well, first time they've done it in some time. They used to do it every year. I don't ever remember. I remember them doing it preseason. They used to do the preseason. They used to do the, uh, yeah, the quarterback club, no, the quarterback the club challenge or whatever. Skills challenge back in the day. Uh, for the Pro Bowl? I, I, I don't remember it being a Pro Bowl. I remember it being like in Hawaii on like a beach, as like a beach. They had like a beach football game. They had like a, um, they had a bunch of stuff that was involved. And oh my God, is that Jim? All right, I just saw Joe Kim Noah on TV. What is that? That's weird. All right. Um. Anyway, um. Uh yeah, the Pro Bowl skills competition was awesome last year. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if any of you guys saw it. If, if you get a chance, I hope they do a lot of the same stuff. Um, what I what I would like to see is I like to see them get rid of the Pro Bowl altogether, and roughly maybe three weeks after the Super Bowl, everybody goes. Anybody who wants to go can go, and just have a skills competition. You don't have to be. They can still vote the Pro Bowl because I know some guys have in their contracts certain bonuses. Well, or you, you a can franchise know. guy can make the Pro Bowl, you can't franchise me again. But I would like to see the NFL set up an event, maybe in Hawaii if that's the players want, or travels around year to year. Maybe even just the markets that don't have an NFL team. I think they do it in Orlando now. Yeah, it's in Orlando now. Right, they do it at the ESPN center I'm, down there. Like, I'm like, one of my, like I said, is they traveled around to maybe markets that don't have an NFL team, like maybe out here in Connecticut, Idaho, North Dakota, Iowa. Kansas, Iowa. Get out there in Iowa. Um, and just any player that wants to go, just have a little skill competition. Maybe not full, I, I don't want to say full combine style, but maybe, and I don't, like I said, I don't know the logistics of it, but I would love to see, like, a quarterback. Quarterback skills competition, uh, maybe a 40-yard dash, 
Well, that's what they do. I was just going to say, that's the events that they do. Yeah, but I don't want it to be a Pro Bowl. Like just the Pro Bowl event, right. You know what? It's the same seven-string wide receiver. They see the fastest guy in the NFL. Yeah, let them. I would. Love, I would like to see. I would like to see that because you got some guys out there that are just track athletes, and that would be fun to see. Um, but I was gonna say, the, my favorite event at that is the drone drop. I thought that. I I, I thought it would Don't be. They, play dodgeball? they do play dodgeball. That's not your because I watched Alex Smith spike a ball into the ground five feet in front of him, and I said, "All right." I said, is Alex Smith playing quarterback here? I was going to ask you, was that, was that in the dodgeball game or his uh, wild card playoff game? No, I think he was just showing off his skill. Uh, but I, I, I did I, – I liked the drone. Well, the thing about dodgeball is I knew dodgeball was going to be good. I knew it was going to be exciting to watch. I knew it was going to be fun. I thought the drone drop was going to be absolutely terrible, and it was one of the most exciting things. Like, you see these guys trying to catch the ball – from like 200 feet in the air, and I'm and I was thinking like that's terrible. And then I'm watching them try to get it with the wind, and imagine getting hit by that. That football's gotta hurt. Like I can, I I've been I've been hit in the chest by passes, and the football hurts. I can't imagine it falling 200 feet. Can we just talk about for a second how awful the Knicks are. I want to talk about stuff besides football for a minute. Uh, at, we can we can always talk about how bad the Knicks are. The Knicks, the Knicks, Knicks are, are terrible. Ferocious. That's why I said Joe Kim Noah is sitting on the bench. The Knicks are just so bad. And for those of you right now, we are watching the Knicks game on television, and they are losing eighty-four to seventy to Memphis. The Knicks are just so bad. I, I can't even find <laughs> one thing that the Knicks are good at. They're good at – the only thing they got is, is the unicorn. The, you know, oh, no, you know what they are good at. They're good at off, off, off the court. They're, they're fantastic. They've got, they've got the best guy off the court. If you, if you know anything about anything that goes on off the court, Michael Beasley is, is an all, all-star, all-star off the court. Interview, interview. He's awesome at interviews. He's awesome at anything in life, anything besides basketball. Michael Beasley. Michael Beasley is all about well, it. Michael Beasley did give me one of the greater quotes I've seen in some time. He had a particularly good game a while back, and the reporter asked him what he felt he was heating up, and he mentioned his birthday. <laughs> train wreck, and it's fantastic. Didn't he average like 30 and 15 for a while in, in college? In college. He was a freshman phenom in college. And then all of a sudden, then, then he got drafted, and he's been an absolute, absolute terrible. He's, he's The only thing good about him is when he talks after the game, because he just says whatever's in his head. Whatever's in his head comes out, and it's usually something crazy. But, yeah, that's the only thing the Knicks got going for him. But, all right, we got we got about 15 minutes left of this show, and I, I think we exhausted football when we started talking about the Pro Bowl. I don't even know who's in the Pro Bowl. That's why I stopped talking about the Knicks. <laughs> that is, I stopped about the 
I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know who's going to the Pro Bowl, and frankly, I don't even care. And I, I agree with what you said, Wallace. I think it should just be a competition where they get anybody to go in, and um. But I, I do like um, the other thing I, I don't like about the Pro Bowl, the way it's set up, the way that skills competition is set up, is they base it off, um, like the coverage is basically the, the coaches or, you know, they get former players to be the advisors, and they just act a fool. <laughs> that's, that's basically all they do, and they just act like idiots. I, I I think they need to revamp that and just let the players like do themselves because they don't need they don't need Ray Lewis sitting there yelling at them while while things are going on. Well, hold let, on. let the players. Everybody go. needs Ray Lewis to yell at you. Ray Lewis is one of the most inspirational speakers of all time. I'm a big fan. I play a lot of John Madden football. <laughs> From what, like 94? No, it was like four or five years ago. You turn it on and Ray Lewis gives you the intro. He's talking <laughs> When he was on the cover. No, no, I don't believe it was when he was on the cover. I don't think it was that long ago. Like I said, I think it was like PlayStation 3 or 4 it was on. He will have you running through a wall. That This is true. Ray, Ray Lewis is, is, is a great motivational speaker, and, and, and he's, he's, he's great good. before, but that, that's the thing, like, when he was in and the middle of the off. action, I was like, all right, where are you, Lewis? Just shut your mouth. Like, and we don't want to hear you. I want to hear you pumping guys up before they do something, it not during 13, it. by the way. Madden 13. Yeah, so, like, three years ago, I think it was. Yeah, and, uh, that sounds about right. I haven't played Madden in forever. I still play PlayStation 2. So. Off the air, I'll have you listen to this. Sorry, <laughs> our listeners don't need to listen to the opening of Madden. <laughs> they, don't, they don't need to hear it? No. Um, so we got that. Got that. Let's see. We talked about the Vikings. Oh, this didn't work out. Okay. All right, here we go. So what I'm what I'm trying to set up since since I got since I got a few minutes here, I'm gonna take some time here to set some stuff up for the future. Um if if you're listening to this show and you know and you wanna be a part of our draft coverage, just contact the show, get in touch with us any way you can, either on Facebook or on on our show on our show page, or... Speaking um, of draft coverage, I want to throw this out there. If, uh, if any of our listeners, we normally do it on Wednesday night, that's why I'm throwing this out there. And I know the first night of the draft is on Thursday. If any of you guys are out there you're tired of listening to Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay, let us know. Maybe me and Chris, we can do our own draft coverage. That, we'll sit here, we'll, we'll provide the draft commentary. This, this this can happen. We do have an opening on the air. That that's not a bad idea, Walrus. And we'll definitely have to take a look at we'll have to take a look at the scheduling of it. But yeah, I think we might we might actually do that. Definitely first round coverage. We'll definitely cover the first round and we might do we might do a full breakdown. But for leading up, if you wanna get your voice 
you want to get your opinion on the air, let us know because we we are going to take it probably – we're going to see how, how it schedules out. I kind of want to do one or two teams a night and really focus on what what those teams need, what they want, um, the guys that you should be looking at not only in the first round but in second, third, fourth rounders that – um, you can that you can bank on on being a big part of your team. So if you want to be involved in that cov- in that coverage, just drop us a note and let us know what your favorite team is, and we will definitely definitely try to include you um, in our show. We'll tr- we'll try to get you live on here, or we'll get some of your Facebook comments, and we'll we'll take your questions. We'll take your questions, comments. We'll, we'll put you on as an insider because, granted, Walrus and I follow follow football. We follow both NFL and college, but we're not in in as in depth as as a as a true fan. I want to get the true fans' perspective of your team. So, if we're talking about the Jets, I want a Jets fan to call up and say, you know, be able to tell us what they what they they saw the entire year cuz I know fans see things a lot differently than I do at, at, just as an analyst I try to watch it and try to figure out a fan's point of view but a lot of fans a lot of fans of your team have different have different things that you're looking for or you see a lot more than I do because I don't pay attention to it 24/7 so and we're definitely we're gonna obviously we're gonna kick off with the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are in a great position right now. The Browns are, Browns are never in a great position. They're in a great position to screw up the draft. I have never been envious of the Cleveland Browns ever. Well, they got the first and the fourth pick. Oh, good. And you know they're gonna screw it up somehow. They're gonna quite possibly acquire not one. But two top five busts in the same draft. <laughs> exactly. They're going to get all the busts in the first in the first round of the draft. Which is good enough for the other 31 teams in the NFL because there's a good chance the Browns are taking two bad players in the first round. Which actually brings me to a point. Um, I was watching I was watching the the movie channel American Movie Classics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they had a movie on the other day, and I was totally dumbfounded by it being on American Movie Classics, and it was called Draft Day. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. It's god-awful, but the only good thing about it is that Kevin Costner is the GM of the Cleveland Browns. You know what I mean? Maybe the Browns should just hire Kevin Costner. And not only that, but the head coach is Dennis Leary. <laughs> if the Browns want to win, Boy, there he is. Look at him. Could be about to say something stupid now. <laughs> but if, if the Browns want to start winning, and they they need to get rid of Hugh Jackson and get Dennis Leary on staff, get him involved, and, and get Kevin Costner as as the uh, as the GM. Well, I was watching this movie, and it it's just basically Kevin Costner acting a fool as a GM, and basically trading away all their picks just to trade and get them back, like, 
I was like, have these guys ever watched the draft? This never happens. No one does this. So it was an interesting uh, take on the NFL draft. I was like, this movie's terrible. I don't know why it's on a, why it's being called a classic. But that's going to be our draft coverage. We're going to try to get the fans involved in what we do. Um, we got about five minutes left. So I'm going to say, Walrus, you got anything else? For us, um, I think I'm, Walrus has said all he has to say. Walrus has made a few words. <laughs> I think I think we've got I think we've got it as far. So let's just recap what we got going on. So we got Jags Patriots on Sunday. It's the I think it's a three thirty start. Three o'clock. Three o'clock and six quarters. Let's just I, I, I don't believe myself. 305. We want to be we want to be exact here. We want to be exact. So 305 start for the Patriots and the Jaguars. I've got the Patriots winning big. Walrus has the Jaguars winning and the Jaguars he has the Jaguars scoring 30 points. I don't see the Jaguars getting over 17. I think if they get that We'll be in there. Um, oh, but you didn't want to wager with the Walrus. I did. What are you wagering? We're wagering on Leonard Fournette. Well, Not what's getting the, any. What's the wager? I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you? What do I have that you want? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anything I have or can give you that you would want. Well, you can't just wager without mistakes. Like who's doing that? <laughs> that's that's the problem. I don't have anything to wager. Like no, nobody wants any. Nobody <laughs> wants. <laughs> nobody wants that. I don't have that anyway. <laughs> Look who you're asking. <laughs> so you're disqualified. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing. There's nothing I have that anybody wants. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. All right. So we got we got the Patriots going on. I got the Patriots. Walrus has the Jags. Then we got Minnesota and Philadelphia. And I've we both have Minnesota winning. Walrus has it big. I think it's going to be a close defensive battle. Um. And the only other thing about that game is we're going to be watching the special teams to make sure that uh, things go smoothly there. Because the Eagles will not block a punt. Because Walrus says they won't. I say they, they will block a punt. I, I'm, I'm not putting it past the Minnesota Vikings to pull that off. Fine. Not even a punt. Maybe, maybe even a field goal. Maybe even a field goal. I've got the stakes in which we are going to wager. All right. Let's roll. And we're going we're gonna to go with the, with the Ray Weasley special. Oh, I'm going to parlay it. Parlay it. Here we go. I'm going to take Leonard Fournette over 85 yards rushing, and I'm going to parlay it with a not-blocked punt. Not-blocked punt? The not-blocked punt. I'm going to say I'm going to change yours to a blocked kick. All right, I'll give that to you. Punt or field goal. It will not be a blocked kick. And we're going to wager one of my favorite things to wager in the entire world. Got it. Chicken wings. That that's doable. I can do chicken wings. We're wagering chicken wings. I, I can I can make I can make homemade chicken wings. That's how that's how much We're I can do that. We're wagering chicken wings. So that sounds that sounds fair. I'm in. 
So I've got I've got Leonard Fournette less less than eighty five yards and and a block and a block kick of any kind. So for the record, neither one of us has to hit both to win the bet. If Leonard Fournette rushes for seventy six yards, but the Vikings don't block, but the Vikings don't get a kick blocked. It's a push. It's a push. So there, there is, there is a way, there is a way out of here for for either of us, and that's that's good. That means we, you know, we we have to watch both games in earnest. Good God, Michael Beasley stepping it up. See, I called him out, and now now he's barking well, he at us. Now he's barking at everybody. He probably smoked all the ganja. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he probably did. He probably did that just between the third and fourth quarter. But all right, so we got our wager in. We got uh, we got our picks in. Uh, we want to thank thank Sean for calling in, and um, think we'll definitely be, we want to be hearing from you next week, win or loss. We we want to get the uh, the feelings of uh, the Minnesota Vikings fan. Um, so I'm just gonna end end the show with um, you're hearing us on the great KJC. Um, network, and I want you guys to know we have awesome shows on this network tomorrow at midnight, uh, talk therapy, listen to the ladies, uh, guys, they will help you with your relationship. You can call in and talk about your relationships. You can call in and talk about anything you want on that show. What if I want to talk about the dingus? If you want to talk about dingus, uh, that they they will provide... They provide dingus. <laughs> they will. Pro- they will provide you with dingus pictures. I I can tell you that right now. This is an awkward show. <laughs> it, it's it's a wild ride over there. But uh, no, it's it's a really fun show. So definitely check check them out. And um, Tuesday nights, Ken and Jimmy gives you all your hockey hockey needs. As as I've said many a times on this show. But what if I don't have um, if you don't have them, if you listen to one episode of, of their show, you will have hockey needs because they will come up, they will, they will make you think about everything. They'll make you reevaluate everything about hockey. I don't think I'll have, ever have any hockey needs. If you're, if you don't have any, they will give you some because you'll be like, oh, is hockey really that cool? Can I, can I call and talk to them about Martin Brodeur? You absolutely can. If that's the extent of your hockey knowledge, check them out. They will they, they will give you all the info. So that's Tuesdays. That's Tuesdays is hockey day. Wednesday is football with us. And Thursday is relationship <laughs> and dingus day with the ladies of talk therapy. That's how we roll at KJ. And every day is Rusev day. And we got 10 seconds left, so Walrus, why don't you get us out of here? Iowa. <laughs>